0: So John, if you could be stranded in any one location, such as a city library, which location would you pick?
1: I'm assuming this is in the events of the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. In
0: that case I would choose End to of the be... world situation, yeah. yes.
1: I would be stranded at a pub
0: on the border between China and Kazakhstan. <laughs> That's quite specific. Mm-hmm to explain because is there a specific pub you're thinking of
1: i don't think there's many pubs on the border between china and kazakhstan to be honest Mm -hmm. but i might have to set one up but my reason is that it is the furthest inland point in the world (laughs) so a lot of these things seem to hit
0: coastal cities hardest so okay let's go very far inland and wait it out sure okay so in the event of tidal wave you're probably going to be okay pretty much yeah that's fair what if it's cold well, I think the border between China and Kazakhstan probably is pretty
1: cold right now. Mm-hmm. But with climate change, who can say? You know, according to this film, what is cold today could be a beach tomorrow. So,
0: Is that what this film did? Anyway... That's the
1: message I got. So I feel, I feel like it's a strong roll of the dice. Okay, I don't really
0: feel like you paid attention, but we will see. Some films high, just... Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. And uh, this week is the final of our disaster movie season. Mm-hmm. We're doing the grand, the perfect,
1: not oh, at all. Are... <laughs> um, Do but... not start with that, please. <laughs> this, this is not a perfect film.
0: We are doing The Day After Tomorrow, which mm-hmm. uh, a film I reckon set a standard for disaster movies. At its time.
1: I, w- I would agree. I think that's a fair assessment, yeah. It's certainly one of the classics of its Definitely time. Definitely yeah. yeah.
0: So what did you think of this? Have you seen it before? Yes, I have. Did you watch it at the time it came out?
1: I don't think I saw it in the cinema, but I did see it at some point around that time. Mm-hmm. And didn't remember much, really. Mm. And now I've watched it a second time, and I don't remember much. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's stuff to this There's film. St- there is stuff to this film. This film is silly. <laughs> It is, isn't this it? film is very, very
0: silly. Yes, it's a lot sillier than I remember it being. Um, not that I remember it being a particularly serious film, mm. but <clears throat> I really thought it was an action film above a disaster movie above others when I watched it. And this film terrified me when I watched it. I watched it in the cinema at the age mm. of like ten or something. Sure, sure, sure. I've never been more scared in the cinema. Really? Yeah, I really wanted to leave. <laughs> did, did your
1: parents take you by any chance of course yeah of course yeah that makes sense
0: yeah i mean it wasn't even like majorly scary bits it was just like that bit near the start when the birds all leave new york mm-hmm. there was just something about that that just unsettled put, put, you. yeah just i, I was terrified <laughs> what about the prospect of a world about birds i don't know what it was <laughs> just the image or something i'm not sure
1: okay no fair enough when you're a child things images can haunt you yeah Watching the first five minutes of this, I did think to myself, "Oh God, is this once silly disaster movie in two thousand four now in twenty nineteen going to be a going to play out like a haunting cautionary tale?" And I mean, then that, that was its aim. Really. Yeah, and then it went on, and nope. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> this film remains silly. Mm-hmm. And things I'm not big into science, and this may surprise you. I'm not a particularly scientifically minded mm-hmm. person. So normally, like. You're the one who picks up on, oh, that would never happen, or that science wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're the bad science guy in this podcast. I've got some points to make, yeah. I'm sure you will, and I look forward to hearing them. But even from my perspective, as somebody who has a very low baseline for what he will accept mm-hmm. as scientifically mm-hmm. plausible, I was just like, is this film going out of its way to be scientifically inaccurate? Because even I was noticing things like, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> you don't get chased by ice. That's not how the cold works. That's not how weather works. That's not how... Travel work. <laughs> That's not how distance between cities works. It's not how anything works. Mm, it sure. was, it was mind blowing. Okay, we're now going live to our Fox affiliate in Los Angeles.
0: We have live coverage now from our Fox 11 chopper. Are you there, Bart? Uh,
1: yes, I'm here. These tornadoes are forming so fast. What? Um, oh my God,
0: Lisa. I- are you getting this on camera? That this tornado just came and erased the Hollywood sign. The Hollywood sign is gone. It's just shredded. What you're seeing are two actual tornadoes striking Los Angeles International Airport. Wait, wait, it looks like they joined and formed one large tornado. Oh my God.
1: After a certain point, I just started writing down bad lines of dialogue as the film went on. Okay. Because there were so many. It was okay. so
0: bad. Well, before we get to our sequels, should we get into a plot summary and of course. talk about all these things? Yeah, by all means. Well, it's your film, so is it, oh, right, it right. Away, yeah. Okay, so we start off with a few people down in the Arctic. Wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. We, we start off with the 20th Century Fox logo. Oh, yes. But it's... Like, icy and It's cold. the icy cold. Yeah, <laughs> they've, they've rejigged it, which I don't think I've ever seen outside of a kid's movie before.
0: Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I feel like that's always a sign. It's always a sign that the film does not take itself too seriously. Yeah, is a film that's
1: not going to win Oscars. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, if the 20th Century Fox or the, whatever the studio... That's the point. How did it do any Oscars? Oh, it didn't
0: get... not Surely not. Well, it might, might have had some technical things. I mean, maybe, but I'd be surprised. It had some good visuals for the time. It had some bad visuals too, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know. Look like... it
1: up, look it up, yeah. I don't I...
0: think it got any acting nominations.
1: <laughs> do <you laughs> got... not think? My suspicion is that Dennis Quaid just missed the cut for Best Actor.
0: Awards? Oh, I've got a BAFTA for the best achievement in special visual effects. Mm, fair enough. Uh, yeah, we start off after the 20th Century Fox logo. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt like that. it was a sign. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> with some people in, in the Arctic doing an expedition. Sorry, the... Antarctica, wasn't it? It's Antarctic, yeah. yeah. And then he said the Atlantic then. Yeah. I, I get them all mixed up. They'll start with A. Yeah. Same with Alaska. Never, never, Same be- with Alaska. never become a pilot. No, <laughs> <laughs> they're drilling into the ice to monitor oxygen levels so this is dennis quaid and his and science guy team. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so they're drilling and the drill causes a crack um or a crack happens and mm-hmm. happens to go straight through their camp mm-hmm. i don't think the drill specifically caused it but whatever. probably didn't help but sure no yeah and uh no climate change caused it harry yeah <laughs> and they all nearly die but they don't it's just a bit of Tension at the start of the movie to get stuff going, mm-hmm. to get your heart pumping.
1: See, normally you'd have—I don't know why they didn't just have three like red-shirt scientists and have at least one of them actually die, mm. and then cut to Dennis Quaid getting the report. Mm-hmm. I guess all it does is prove that Dennis Quaid has—it
0: it, it proves that he has experience being out in the snow, mm-hmm. and also which, which does become important later. It tells
1: us some very important things about Dennis Quaid: that yes, he's got experience out on the field, that he has a death wish, mm-hmm. and that he can jump like Super Mario. All of which will become important later. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I laughed so hard. That was my first big laugh when he just like boings across the crevice. It's like... He really does, doesn't he? Like his feet are still running yeah. mid You know that Simpsons, uh, very early Simpsons clip that they always show where Homer tries to skateboard over the valley and then mm-hmm. it's like, you think he's going to make it and then he goes, whoa, and he falls. Mm-hmm. And he be... It really looked like that was going to happen. Like, yeah.
0: Because he's not jumping like a human jumps. No, it's... <laughs> oh i laughed uh yeah and so it turns out that a large very large piece of ice has broken off the antarctic yes and is now just going to float away into the ocean and and melt essentially much as we read in the news every day these days yeah it's very <laughs> scary yes and so he goes to a conference or something in india i think it is in New- in delhi yeah yeah although it's snowing which i guess is supposed to be a sign yes something's yes. afoot yeah. pretty much yeah and he's kind of like, global warming! <laughs> and all politicians are like, uh, but it's getting cold? And mm-hmm. yeah, is global warming? Cold warming? Whoa, whoa, whoa. They've any... never heard of this concept Dennis before. Dennis Quaid, you're not league. making any sense. Yeah, I mean, that, you think that's alarming? Donald Trump's still on their side.
1: Well, true, yeah, but it's like these politicians have never heard this concept in their lives. It's yeah. crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so no one really listens to him then, including the Vice President of the United States. Mm-hmm. Not uh, Dick Cheney. Not Dick Cheney, but uh, this guy who is more important to this film than the actual president yeah which is a little odd but sure whatever
1: well I think it's deliberate because he, you know, the guy does look exactly like Dick Cheney who was the president mm. the vice president at the time mm. and the president in this film is just this kind of nothing character who just kind of doesn't make any decisions mm. so I think it's a very deliberately like making a point about Donald Trump and not Donald Trump George about Bush. George Bush and Dick Cheney at the time
0: basically yeah. Yeah. oh wow what a, what, a, what a strong message yeah that's um. a great way to get
1: politicians <laughs> on his side to be like you're stupid
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, and so he gets ignored, but luckily Bilbo Baggins is there mm-hmm. um, to actually say, like, oh, yeah, you had some good points there. Mm-hmm. I believe you. Who's he supposed to be? He is supposed to be a person who is monitoring uh, boys all over the ocean. Mm-hmm. from Boys as in ships, not yes. young men. <laughs> <laughs> um, Important to make that clear. That's a very different movie. Sure, yes. All across the North Atlantic mm-hmm. from his... Office in Scotland. Yes,
1: um, he's just nipped over from a little hut in Glasgow to mm-hmm. this massive international UN conference in New Delhi.
0: Yes, and it's never really explained why he needs to be in Scotland, given the main places he's monitoring are sort of the east coast of the US and Canada. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, they're outsourced, you know. I guess, yeah. Mm. Uh, and it's there. It's him and two of the most stereotypical British people you'll ever meet. Oh. <laughs> I love, I, love, I love the guy watching football, just like, kick it,
1: kick it, kick it. When have you ever heard a British person watching football yeah. go, kick it, kick no, it? Like, never.
0: No. It's not a thing.
1: No. <laughs> lots of references to tea. Yeah. Lots of, tea and biscuits. <laughs> lots, of, oh, lots of use of the word chap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Chaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish they'd just gone the whole hog and cast Dick Van Dyke to be honest instead of Ian Holm oh, I would yeah. have just perfected it like. yeah, yeah so- I was ge- sorry I just said before we leave those characters because they're not that important I was genuinely surprised that none of those three British stereotypes ever died in a fiery car crash while racing some important information to Downing Street oh yes that would have been I really thought it was going to go in that direction Yeah, probably to the Queen yeah, exactly the Queen the must know yeah <laughs> gentlemen
0: to England mankind to Manchester United okay and so then I think we maybe get introduced to Jake Gyllenhaal's character uh-huh. um, who is in high school I believe
1: yeah so this is Jake Gyllenhaal at the point in his he's Dennis Quaid's son yes and this is Jake Hall in that point of his career he's just post Donnie Darko but he's not quite got to by Mountain yet mm. so this is like up and coming my main competition is Tobey Maguire mm. and uh I don't know who else was a teen at the time. Like, don't know. He was very much in that place in his career. Mm-hmm. Like, He wasn't a superstar yet. He was just doing lots of different things. He'd done some well-received films, mm-hmm. but not a lot of like, big hits. Yeah, this film doesn't really give him anything to do, does it? No. <laughs> he just gets to sit around with his Charlie from Busted Hair and eat peanuts and mm-hmm. make googly eyes at Emmy
0: Rossum. Mm-hmm, That's his yeah. role in this film. Yeah. So he, he's in high school and mm-hmm. he goes on, what is it, like some, some kind of interstate competition? The Academic Decathlon. That's
1: it, yeah. Because at first I misheard and just thought he was doing a decathlon, and I was like, it's interesting, <laughs> you know, this is before Jake Gyllenhaal did, like, Jarhead and stuff where he got Steve above, I was like, he doesn't really read as a major athlete, and then it's like, mm. oh, it's an academic decathlon. Yeah, oh, he's a nerd. He's a nerd, okay, that makes more sense, <laughs> fine, yeah. So yeah. So him and um, Emmy Rossum. And a, is, co- and a couple of his nerdy yeah.
0: friends. So they've travelled to New York from... Mm. I think Philadelphia. yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, Drake Gyllenhaal goes, yeah. goes to New York with his friends, mm-hmm. um, they do their decathlon thing, and then uh, the weather starts getting really bad, and all the planes are cancelled. And then Los Angeles has some extreme cyclones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't just skim <laughs> over the Los Angeles scene. No, I mean, did you enjoy that? <laughs>
1: I would say the best part of the film. Genuinely the most entertaining part of this film. Yeah. Watching the LA Tornado Fest... <laughs> I don't know. How do you even describe it?
0: I, th- that was the point when I was like, okay, this film is fun. This yeah. is, I- I'm having fun with It was this. fun to watch, like, all the reporters are in. Well, firstly, there is the guy monitoring the weather who's on the night shift. Having sex with his girlfriend. Or having someone. sex with a girlfriend in a very different room. And yeah. she's like, shouldn't you be monitoring the weather? <laughs> and I'm like, well, firstly, yes. But also, girlfriend, why are, you, why are you bothered about that? Like, as far as you know, the weather's fine. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> you don't care if you cared you wouldn't be here right now true maybe she works Maybe was like an office romance No, maybe yeah their relationship is never established yeah uh but yes i agree so he's bad at his job mm-hmm. he does after she, has, she says that he does go and monitor the weather and he's like oh it's about to get super windy mm-hmm. and he calls up his boss wakes up his boss I, I think he has to throw some pizza down back in the box again there's, all, uh, yeah, there's always there's always some pizza yeah. always room for pizza. Mm-hmm. He has to yeah call up his boss, week's boss, and say, "I think we need to issue a hurricane warning." The boss looks out his window. There's already a hurricane there. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, no maybe." Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the warning's passed. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, then we get a sequence where LA has like five hurricanes, just tornadoes, tor- whatever, wind, mm-hmm. twirly wind, twirly um, wind, five twirly
1: winds. Yeah, yeah.
0: I suppose that's not a line of dialogue in this film. That's about <laughs> the level we're working at. Here. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's all over it the uh, the press come in in helicopters which no helicopters seem to crash which I think op- I don't think they did okay
1: uh, there were a lot of weathermen like newscasters who appeared to just be suicidal
0: yeah there were so many people who were just like this building's falling down I'm in the building but yeah. hello just, <laughs> just reporting because that's what I do oh I'm dead yeah <laughs> My f- this might
1: be my favorite stupid line of dialogue in the entire film, actually, I'd- and there is a lot of competition. Mm. Is when somebody says the words, "They've joined up and formed one giant yeah. tornado." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And it was great how the tornadoes seemed to be specifically targeting landmarks. Well, of course. Yeah, but it was like it wasn't like oh the landmarks are like you know like when a tidal wave hits of course you're gonna get you're gonna get the landmarks you're gonna hmm. get be part of it these tornadoes it was like they were sentient they were like like that one that went over the Hollywood sign yeah.
0: couldn't have been more perfect no it
1: over was it. it was 100% like I'm gonna get you yeah.
0: <laughs> screw
1: you Hollywood it was like the tornado was an, a failed actress yeah who <laughs> <laughs> had like too many bad auditions and was like fuck you Hollywood <laughs> what do you mean I'm not right for the role <laughs> too old for Godzilla fuck you
0: maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow
1: think of anybody specific there don't know I know Meryl Streep got turned down
0: for um, Godzilla I don't think think Meryl Streep hates Hollywood though
1: oh no I'm sure she doesn't now but wouldn't you love it if if the tornado had the voice of Meryl Streep in this film oh yeah (laughs) okay we're now going live to our Fox affiliate in Los Angeles we have live coverage now from
0: our Fox 11 chopper are you there Bart uh
1: yes I'm here these tornadoes are forming so fast what Oh, oh my God. Lisa, are you getting this on camera? That This tornado just came and erased the Hollywood sign. The Hollywood sign
0: is gone. It's just shredded. So, yeah, LA gets pretty beaten up um, over this. The weatherman and his girlfriend, they go back into their window-facing bedroom (laughs) for safety. I I don't know. And Mm -hmm. the cleaner watches as their bedroom just gets, like, knocked off the building. Mm -hmm. And they did. They are dead. Also dead is the newscaster who
1: gets killed by a giant billboard like a, like a with a pair of boobs. Yeah. Like a playboy bunny on the oh, film. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that. It was like his last
0: sight. It was just boobs. Splats. Great. <laughs> uh, yes, and so Jake Gyllenhaal gets stranded in New York. All the planes are gone. He's in his friend's romance's uh, apartment. Oh, yeah, so like, he's in love so, with so, any- so, So, yeah, he's in love with that girl. Emmy Rossum. Yes. And she has recently taken a fancy to one of the competing schools Mm -hmm. from some local school. Yeah. This guy, he's clearly very rich and goes to a rich school. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go to his apartment. They hang out there for a bit. And then he says, uh, this guy says, oh, we should pick up my little brother in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. This plot
1: line never comes back.
0: No, it doesn't, (laughs) does it? That brother is dead. Yeah. Um, And like some of them... Oh, no, wait. Wait, wait,
1: wait. I just had a, a light bulb moment. Didn't we say that Dennis Quaid and his wife, and Sailor Ward, the wife, they're in Philadelphia? I think so, yeah. Could the little boy be the
0: cancer kid? Oh. Ooh, connections, connections. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. They didn't make that clear. but... No. Mm. um I mean, that cancer kit plot line was. So boring. Who nothing. cares? Yeah. Who cares? No disrespect to, to anybody with cancer, but no. like that was not interesting in this no. movie.
1: This kid was a sunk investment.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he can't survive being
1: taken out of the hospital, not in an ambulance, he's not going to survive the apocalypse. No. You're just wasting your own time. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so there's there's a flood happening, which is like, what, two foot deep? Well, it
1: escalates point? so very quickly. Like, at first it's, oh, it's raining a bit. Oh, they've grounded all the flights. Oh, and now it's New York is three feet underwater. Like, yeah the escalation is absurd. It is, yeah. It's like everything happens in the space of like what seems like 10 minutes mm-hmm. with no warning. Mm-hmm. Like that was the other thing, the weather people, I know the whole thing is that everything's happening faster than they expect. Yeah. But like the weather, all the weather people when LA hits when LA hits and they're like, where did all these tornadoes come
0: from? It's like, in real life, weather people look at weather like weeks, months in advance. Mm-hmm. It, they don't just appear. Well, I mean, that was the one thing that they kind of made up about this mm-hmm. was that that bit of ice broke off went into the Gulf Stream mm-hmm. and just knocked out the entire world's weather into a place that was quite unpredictable by any weather models that anybody had. Okay. That's why they kept saying, Dennis Quaid, you've got the only model that we can actually use for weather. Okay. And he's like, but I didn't make it for weather predictions. I made it for, like, weather predictions for thousands of years and from now. Mm-hmm. But where did the tidal wave come from? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's something that I have no explanation no. for. Because it wasn't like a wave that was cresting. Like, it didn't look like the the wave in Deep Impact. No. Or anything where we've seen a tidal wave before. It was more like, you know, the water just rose very quickly. (laughs) Extremely quickly, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was never really explained Mm -hmm. as to what caused that. But... Mm -hmm. Whatever. By that point, it's not important. Sure, no. Like the first half of this film is all about science and explanation. The second half of this film is all about shit. Yeah. That's all that <laughs> Harry, 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 No part of this film is about science. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Let's they, oversell it. <laughs> no, they try. They, okay, they try. They, they, it's, yeah, there's some Oh, that boy just went down by 13 degrees in temperature. <gasps> oh, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, when that's the most exciting thing in a scene. Okay, fine, yeah. So, yeah, they're down on, on street level trying mm. to get a taxi, which is... I don't know why they're struggling so around, much because yeah. nobody's moving anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they happen to be outside the public library. Yes. For whatever reason. Well, they run past the French speaking lady in the taxi oh. who's stuck, trapped in the car. Yeah. And that
1: useless police officer who was like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't speak French. She's like, What do you fucking think she's saying? She's trapped in a car and the water's rising. Get her out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you also clock the terribly, weirdly dubbed random extras getting
0: onto the bus? Yeah, I did notice the bit when he was like, oh my god, I love Buster, this is so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> the bomb. <laughs> what, what do you think happened there? Why is I, that scene in the movie? I don't know.
1: Um, that character never comes back. No. It actively is terrible. Like, clearly they couldn't get the sound. There, mm-hmm. was a re- there must be a reason that's been dubbed like that, mm. or ADR, whatever you call it. But I don't understand why they left it in. It's such an obvious cut. Mm. It makes no sense. It's so bad. Excuse me, you're bad.
0: Goddamn, $1,500 waterproof raincoat. Please, shut up, man. Uh, there must be rats everywhere! That's hey. it's New York! Hey! Hey! Open up, you It's out of service! It's out of service! Uh, no, no, I'll give you $100 to put it in service. No, oh, you don't have to do that. No, no, really, $200. I won't have it, I won't have it, I won't have it. Oh god, I love buses. This is just so much fun. This is the bomb. Um, okay, so this is the point where, well, what's-her-face is trying to help the French lady out of the taxi. Yeah, while the waters, at, the tidal wave yes. or whatever it is, she she gets to the steps and then uh, to, managed to get her back to the steps from the taxi. And then the French lady's like, "Oh no, my passport!" <laughs> Civil play, <Zou> laws <laughs> <laughs> And so then the girl goes to get the passport back from the taxi. In doing so, she cuts her ankle onto like a, a piece of metal from like a car her leg, bump yeah. or something. Yeah.
1: But it, this will this will become important later. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, somewhat important later. Yes.
0: She gets the passport, I think. Uh, but while she's doing that, Drake and Hall looks at her and then looks behind her and sees the tidal wave coming in. <laughs> so if the if the giant tornado is going to be voiced by Meryl Streep,
1: mm-hmm. just shouting like "Fuck you, Hollywood!" Mm-hmm. Who's voicing the tidal wave? Um, what's his name? Back to the Future. Great Scott! Oh, Christopher Lloyd. Yes. Oh, good call. Mm-hmm. I'd want someone with a bit of a deeper voice, but I can see where you're going with that. Yeah. Okay. What
0: kind of deep voice?
1: I just feel like a wave like would have, a like, a deep, booming Sam voice. Sam Elliott? <laughs> Not so much like a... <laughs> I do quite... I do, actually, I love that. Like, <laughs> sometimes there's a man. What if, sometimes there's a wave.
0: What if uh, it's Sam Elliott, but then we've got Bradley Cooper's deep voice, competing voice, uh-huh. as the Statue of Liberty? And they have, like, a... Yeah. A, a, a route? Just, like, a you know,
1: bring it or something. Like, like. I'll teach you to stop drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we going with this? <laughs> so the tidal wave is, explode- is exploding. The tidal wave is devouring New York. <laughs> That's one he didn't go with, sadly. Explosive tidal wave meets mm. Sharknado. <laughs> how is that not a movie? <laughs> oh, okay. The tidal wave is clearly Samuel L. Jackson.
0: Oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah well I'm done. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure the listeners have been shouting that one for a while. We got there. We got there. Yeah. So the tidal wave comes and they all get into the library. Uh, the girl just makes it because Triton and the Hall shouts at her and she hears him somehow. Mm-hmm. Don't know how. Yeah. Then they're all stranded in the library with loads of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cut to a few days later, the water is frozen over. Is that a few days later or a few hours later? I really can't tell. Yeah, it wasn't
1: very clear. Mm -hmm. One thing I noticed about this film is that nobody's facial hair grew. (laughs) Like (laughs) that would would have been a good help, wouldn't it? They did. Like Jake Gyllenhaal is trapped in that library for at least a week, surely, in the Mm. context of the whole film. And he is when Dennis Quaid finally spoiler alert rescues him at the end. Mm. He is baby faced. He is, like... Maybe he had a razor with him. Sure. Maybe he
0: brought a razor to the decathlon, brought it upstairs to the, so the, the apartment, and then yeah. they were all leaving to go to Philadelphia, so he mm-hmm. probably had his things with him. Okay, fair. He took an overnight bag for the end of the world, sure. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, you would, wouldn't you? I guess. Okay, sure. You know, you, when you're stuck in your Kazakhstan pub... hmm Oh, yeah. I, 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 you're going to have some gonna do, with you? Grooming is going to be the least of my worries. <laughs> <laughs> would you pack sun cream, do you think? Because that could be your undoing. You might assume that it's going to be cold, but then the weather changes and the sun comes out. Oh, yeah, no, factor 60 is a you get the You get a balmy 15 degrees centigrade and you mm-hmm. just melt. Sure, okay, no, yeah. No, no, yes, that would be a priority, definitely. Okay, okay so they're all surrounded in the library. The ice freezes over. Uh, the police officer who's been surrounded with them says, hey, everybody, we should all get out because, you know, there's other people leaving. Uh, New York, and we should get out before the storm gets any worse. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Richard Hall has called his dad previously, which we saw in a scene. Yeah, and I skipped he, over. He went down to steerage. Yes, he, he had his Leonardo DiCaprio he, he moment. He really did. <laughs> um He calls his dad, and uh, his dad says, "Yeah, you need to stay where you are. Stay inside. Light a fire. Keep warm because the storm is only going to get worse. It's just going to get colder." Yeah. At this point, everybody leaves the library apart from a few that Richard and Hall manages to convinced that his dad is correct and that they should stay in stay warm. Mm-hmm. Um, which then becomes our main characters of the film. Yes. So we have a homeless guy and his dog. Mm-hmm. We have a man who's obsessed with the oldest book in the world, mm-hmm. even though he's not religious and it is a Bible. Yeah. And uh, Would you have...
1: say he's a character?
0: Like a main character? He He's a person with he's a thing. <laughs> he's a person, sure. Yeah. Um, and then there's the world's most annoying librarian. Oh, I liked her. <laughs> even the bit when she was like, do you know how I know that? because I read it in a book. Yes, I thought she was... Is that not annoying? I thought she was delivering a very positive message about literacy and the power of reading. Everybody else there was like, oh my God, we can't wait for the internet to come back and then we're going to burn this whole library.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they burn the library starting with the books. Yes. Which seems like in a very inefficient way of going about it. There are so there's much, there's stuff. so much wooden furniture in this old library. Mm. The books should be the last thing you
0: burn because they're they're not very efficient. They're mm. not fuel efficient in the slightest. Mm. I guess it depends on the books as well. Like when they find all the ones on tax law, like yeah, yeah, fair enough. I doubt they're special editions.
1: No, no, no. I'm not, even taking a, uh, into account the fact that books are important, mm. it's just like, it, why would you burn the books first? Burn every table and every chair. They will last much longer. Uh, yeah. Yes. Also, then you can read something. Yeah, tax law. Tax law, yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? What do you think we were going to burn? You can't burn books. No, absolutely not. You want to freeze to death? I'll go get some more. Friedrich Nietzsche. We cannot burn Friedrich Nietzsche. He was the most important thinker of the 19th century. Oh,
0: please, Nietzsche was a chauvinist pig who was in love with his sister.
1: He was not a chauvinist pig.
0: But he was in love with his sister. Uh, excuse me, you guys? Yeah, there's a whole section on tax law down here that we can burn. Well, anyway, so they're all cooped up in the library now, and the girl gets... her leg gets infected. Well, yeah, Emmy Rossum starts
1: dressing like Meryl Streep in The French Lieutenant's Woman, with this, like, head scarfy kind of thing, very mm-hmm. dramatic. And then,
0: yes, yeah, she gets blood poisoning from her infection. Yes, and so Jake Hall and a couple of guys, they need to go out, uh, brave the cold... And they, they board a ship that just kind of floated by. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a, a Russian tanker
1: kind of just floats past. Yeah. Floats through the main streets. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yes. Yeah. What was it doing? Floating. No, I mean, what was it doing? <laughs> Where was it? What, what led it to this
0: point? Tidal wave. Okay. Well there's no nobody on it. No. There's not even, like, any corpses on it. Where no. did all the Russians go? There's no explanation. And also, why would there be a Russian boat in the Atlantic Ocean? Yeah. Well, that's what I, mean. I have no idea. Yeah. Um... A lot of questions. How do they get down a very straight street without, like, (laughs) getting caught up in buildings? Mm -hmm. So then they they get onto the boat and they find the supplies they need. They also find the kitchen and start getting some food. Meanwhile, they get caught by a pack of wolves. Yes, we we saw
1: these wolves previously because when the weather events first start to happen, Mm. you see all the animals start to panic. The animals know. They've got their sixth sense. They know that shit's going down. Yes. And then the wolves escape from the zoo. Yes. Do they... Again, it's before, like, the tidal wave comes, so do the the wolves pick the the locks? (laughs) Well, yeah, I think they sort of bit
0: through the cage or something like that. Okay. This isn't my sequel, but I kind of wanted to see a version of this film from the perspective of the wolves. Yes, me too, because I wondered, like, how do they survive the tidal wave? Were they already multiple stories up? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like, that's a film I want to watch, like, wolves running up buildings and... Mm,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And at some point they go rabid, or... They become like flesh hungry, very angry at humans. Maybe, well, they're maybe they're just mad at humans for like causing all of this. Like, this is all your fault. Like,
0: yes, because they really want to eat Jake Gyllenhaal and his friends. Sure. So, main question is now: Who voices the wolves? Who voices the wolves? I'm thinking you got Tiffany Haddish, mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer, okay. and whoever else was in Hidden Figures. Taraji P. Henson. That's what I was thinking of. Yes. Okay. You know, Tiffany Haddish wasn't in Hidden Figures. But... I was thinking Taraji P. Henson. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know who you. Are. Oh, okay. So Gena I guess yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So just a a, a roving gang of pissed off black wolves, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> female black wolves. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sounds fun. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. Either that, or the people who
0: voiced the high in is in the Lion King. Whoopi Goldberg and others. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other two. Yeah. Yeah, so then they attack Jason Hall and his party and actually bite one of them on the leg. Mm-hmm. But that's not so much of an issue now because they've got medicine. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they get a of penicillin. I guess and stuff, that's right. They? yeah. <laughs> they do manage to escape the wolves and get back to the library. But this is the point where they look up and see that they are now in the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. They can see the Empire State Building. They watch as it freezes over, like from the top down. Mm-hmm. And Jason Hall's like, shit, we need to go inside now. And so they run inside. And this is the best bit of the film, where they run away from ice. They are being chased by... (laughs) The cold air. All of the weather in this film
1: has a personality. It's like the ice is like, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. It's Mm -hmm. like,
0: it's bizarre.
1: It's so utterly bizarre. Like, when temperatures drop, they should just, like, freeze in place,
0: surely? If this was, like, somewhat realistic. Uh, Well, the way that they said it before was that it's cold air coming down. So, essentially, it's cold wind. Okay. They're running from. It's moving air. It's not instant temperature changes okay but how do you outrun wind i, <laughs> I don't know John. have you
1: ever been like in a wind on a windy day but like, oh you know i'm just gonna jog ahead of this
0: <laughs> um well i guess that like when i cycle and i've got a tailwind sometimes i don't feel any wind like on me because i'm cycling at the same speed as the wind oh, really yeah so i guess like, but that, that means you're
1: matching the speed of the
0: wind yeah that doesn't mean that you are ahead of the
1: wind I mean, if that I'll, makes sense. Yes, but... If you I'm, think but, of the
0: wind as being, like, yes, but I behind can, you. Yes, but I can be ahead of the wind if I'm cycling faster than the wind. Okay. And so then the wind is coming into my face, even though it's actually moving in the same direction as me, just slower. Okay. Say the wind is moving at five miles an hour, mm-hmm. and I'm moving at ten miles an hour. Okay. Well, then I'm going to feel wind in my face coming towards me. But relatively, that's not it. Okay. You don't
1: understand. I don't understand at all. Well. <laughs> so, well, let me try. So... <laughs> So is it like if you're moving at the equal speed of the wind? Yep. Then <laughs> Then I I wouldn't I wouldn't feel any air movement. No, on my because face. it's balanced. Yes. There's a balance. If you're moving faster. at a slower speed, you can feel the wind behind you. If yes. you're moving faster, you can feel the wind ahead of you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Can you calibrate it to that yeah, specificity? Well, not. Like could you not, calibrate your not, speed to be not, like not
0: necessarily intentionally, but just I can notice it in different ways okay like sometimes i will go on a bike ride and know which direction the wind is in Uh and then i will notice you know if i'm cycling faster or slower than the wind okay if yeah but anyway yeah that's not so much of an issue here (laughs) uh (laughs) but it's the temperature rather than the wind that's a problem is what i mean well the wind is carrying the temperature okay it's cold air coming towards them okay sure so maybe it's coming towards them at just slower than running pace okay that's that, that's all I can give you. Okay. So they can outrun the wind and okay. they d- and they do. Thank you. Just. You've really cracked this film for me now. I feel like I've made you understand that bit
1: so I feel like I've won. You have, genuinely.
0: Yeah, This has opened up this
1: film entirely
0: to me now. Great. Yeah, so obviously he's lucky that the wind is only that slow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who's voicing the wind? I don't know. Um, I reckon somebody who speaks slowly and very breathily. Mm-hmm. Ian McKellen. Not yeah, I could see that. He's not particularly slow, but I'm sure it would work. He could do it, yeah. Okay, Ian McKellen is the wind, yeah. Yeah. Right. This is so, a weird thing we're doing.
1: <laughs> I know. So, J.J. L. Hall outruns the wind. Outruns the wind, they get back to their room and they... And Just in time and the ice kind of yes, and the fire, coalesces around the door.
0: The fire's lit and maybe it's gone out, maybe it's not. Who knows? We cut away to Dennis Quaid, who has previously set off from Philadelphia with his two friends in a pickup truck to go and pick up his son from New York. After convincing the president to evacuate the country.
1: Yes. What did he think was going to happen? What, when he got to New York? Dennis Quaid, yeah. He was just going to pick up his son and then... And then turn around and head back? Yeah, I guess. I don't understand what his point was. Like, because... He's on the phone to his son and then his son cuts off and he doesn't know whether he's alive or dead. Mm -hmm. But nothing he does is going to change whether or not Jake Gyllenhaal survives. Yes. It's like he's either going to find a dead son or a living son. Yes. Why not just take his own advice and waste it out and hope for the, and hope his son is smart enough to take his advice. Uh, him getting there doesn't do anything. All he does is arrive and then he takes up a helicopter space that somebody else could have taken. Uh,
0: yes, but it does mean that we get that incredible shot of the American flag freezing while Dennis Quaid jumps into a kitchen.
1: Yeah, no, yes. I was going to bring that up in drinking games, the frozen
0: American flag is quite the thing. Iconic. It's. I would say, yeah, iconic probably, mm. Yeah, so he has a trek from Philadelphia to New York, which I said earlier is 96 miles or something like that. Mm -hmm. They drive the first bit of it, then they crash the car, then they walk for a bit of it, then the third one falls into a shopping centre. And this is, again, this is another point where I was confused about, like, the time frames, because how long would it take to walk, primarily walk, from Philadelphia to New York? I don't know, but it's 96 miles, and they did drive a portion of it, an unknown portion of it. Mm -hmm. But not at top speeds. Because no. they're driving through snow and ice, so it's yes. going to be slow,
1: slow driving and slow walking. Yes, it's got to be at least a week. You'd think ninety miles. There were there were multiple nights in the tent. Uh huh. How was the tent keeping them alive?
0: Because when it's it, like cold be- enough to freeze a human body. Well, because at that point it wasn't cold enough to freeze a human body. Um, the tent keeps them alive in cold weather because it it simply stops the wind getting to them and so their own body heat would warm it up okay. and if they had themselves a little stove or stuff, they could make it all warm in there okay. and it would keep a lot of the heat in that's what tents do oh okay yeah you're not very good at camping are you <laughs> <laughs> listeners <this laughs> last time me and John went camping anywhere was uh, my brother's stag do and there was a point where we all got in our tents on the first night and John said out loud we're all in separate tents by the way John said out loud Harry do you want to come in and I was like uh, no. And you, and John was like, "Well, oh, why are you standing outside my tent then? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm inside my own tent. <laughs> and then suddenly the whole campsite burst into laughter because John realized that, well, they, they realized that John did not know the tents have no soundproofing whatsoever. <laughs> I really thought you were just
1: lurking outside my tent for some unknown reason. No,
0: I don't think I was even camped next to you. I think like my sister's tent was in between us. Yeah. I could just,
1: I could just hear rustling. I was like, what are you doing out there? <laughs> Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, you're an idiot. The t- yeah, okay. Fair enough. Clearly
1: I would not... Do well in this. Do world. well in this, situ- in this situation. <laughs> no.
0: no. You'd like, well, I don't know. What's the tent going to do? What do we need a tent for? I'm going to sleep outside. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they do make it all the way to New York. And they find the public library, which is where they they knew that he was initially. Because mm-hmm. of the phone yeah. call. Yes. And they go in, see it's mostly deserted, but eventually get drawn to the right door. Mm-hmm. And they they go in and they're, they're there. Everybody's reunited and happy families and stuff. Mm-hmm. Completely unbearded. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Then we cut around to a few scenes of like, there's an American refugee camp in Mexico. Oh, that's it. So the entire
1: southern, everywhere below the line of of uh, New York City in America mm. has evacuated to Mexico. Yeah. Which I don't doubt for a second.
0: Well, I mean, they talked about the politics of it. Like, oh, like, oh, no, 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 no. Like Mexico closed their borders initially. Yeah. Then people just forced their way through, waded across a river, which did not look that substantial of a border. No. Hey, that's why Donald Trump's trying to build that wall. Um, But anyway, so everybody gets into Mexico
1: and... Because they cancel all Latin American debt. Yes. (laughs) Which at this point feels moot. Like, the world
0: is fucked. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so that's what happens there. And uh, all the Americans are saved, I guess, by Mexico, which Mm -hmm. is a message that you just would not get these days. No. Well, this film is super rude to Mexico because there's the bit where so the president
1: dies and the vice president becomes the president. Mm. And he's broadcasting from the mexican embassy mm-hmm. from the the u.s embassy in mexico mm. and then you see the exterior shots and it's not in like mexico city which is like a thriving meto- metropolis like mm. a big big city it's like a shanty
0: town <laughs> like this film's idea of mexico is that it's like a shanty town the vice president or now president makes a statement or something just like on I'm... the weather channel well it's on every channel no it says in the on
1: the weather channel he's broadcasting from the weather channel it made Ooh. me laugh
0: broadcasting from the weather channel see this. Oh, I see this. Well, what do you know?
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess it makes sense. That's the channel everyone's going to be watching in this situation. Yeah, good point. Good (laughs) point, yeah.
0: Yeah, so... Where are we now? That's pretty... That's the end of the film. That's the
1: end. So, it's alright. Millions and millions have died, but once again, as is the classic disaster movie, Mm -hmm. you know, trope, it doesn't matter because our thinly drawn heroes have survived.
0: Yes, they do. For days now, we have despaired about the fate of the people who are trapped in the North.
1: Today... There is cause for hope. Only a few hours ago, I received word that a small group of people survived in New York City against all odds and in the face of tremendous adversity. I've ordered an immediate search and rescue mission to bring them home and to look for more
0: survivors. What a what a stupid film. <laughs> I would
1: say... I mean, what did you think of it on the whole? Well, I really enjoyed it. I <laughs> thought the first half was good old stupid fun. Mm-hmm. Then the second half I found to be mostly boring. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it really slows down once the tidal wave kind of dies down a little bit. Yeah. And then it's just like, whether or not Jake Gyllenhaal and Emmy Rossum will survive, and I didn't care. Yeah, Yeah. Nobody gave... Like, I think this is the thing. It's like... These films aren't actors' films, mm-hmm. so it's really hard to care about any of the characters. Because I felt like everyone was doing like the bare minimum mm-hmm. of acting in this film. Mm-hmm. Nobody felt there was nobody in this film who was like, "I'm going to seize the moment. I'm yeah. going to have. I'm going to have. This is a stupid film. I'm going to just be campy and chew the scenery." And a lot of the disaster films we've watched, you'll get that one character who like gets what film they're in. Mm-hmm. Like uh, this film just didn't have that at all, mm. and I wish it had. Do you think? Here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you think this film would have been improved had the Dennis Quaid character been Harrison Ford? I was just gonna say,
0: (laughs) yes, infinitely. He is. He he was not far off. I'll be honest.
1: Yeah, I think I think Dennis Quaid is like Harrison Ford's eternal understudy. Yeah, that's his role in Hollywood. He just he's been in a few films of light. He's in Far From Heaven, which is one of my all time favorite films. Mm -hmm. But he's very like he's got that Harrison Ford energy, but not that Harrison Ford charisma. Harrison Ford has such
0: low energy, though. That's what I think. That's the, yeah, but so does, so does Dennis Quaid. At least yeah. in this movie. Yeah, he was giving me that real like unimpressed uh, with everything. Yeah, pretty much. Like his his
1: emotional range in this film went all the way from A to B. Like, mm-hmm.
0: you no. Know, yeah, can occasionally be angry.
1: Yeah. That, he forced a smile at the end. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it was definitely bare minimum acting, and then nobody else really made much of an impression. No, no. Like Jake Gyllenhaal had nothing to do. The wife had nothing to do. Emmy Rossum had nothing to do.
0: Okay, so shall we talk about some uh, whatever drinking games? Drinking games, stuff? yeah, yeah. Drink for green screen. Okay. There's a there's a fair few. There's a no fair few. It's the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> a fair few, you know, one or two,
1: one or two. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's some.
1: Y- yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, drink for ominous ice cracking shots. Nice, nice. Every time there's an yeah. ominous close-up of the ice cracking. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, drink for politicians ignoring scientists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink for British stereotypes. Nice. With our little trio of um, Ian Holm and the other two
0: guys. Mm-hmm. Every reference to tea or Manchester United. or British references, yeah. There was a, a weird bit when they... Well, no, not a weird bit, just a stupid bit. Where they got the whiskey out oh. and somebody joked like, hey, maybe we should put this in the generator, keep it going for a little bit longer. And then Ian Holmes, like, are you mad? That's a 12-year-old Scotch or something like that. And I'm like, 12 years is not that long for a Scotch. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the minimum you can get in supermarkets. I don't know how Scotch works. Like, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, so yeah. Are you mad? This is old speckled hen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, not the drug Daniels. This cost me five quid at Aldi. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, funny. Um, okay, well, uh, drink whenever the cancer kid is shown or talked about.
1: Oh, yeah. Hated that kid. Mm. He was reading Peter Pan. new he, well, he's to... about heavy-handed. Yeah, like, and his name was Peter. And was, his na- was his name actually Peter? Yeah. Oh, my God, this film just laid on oh, so yeah. thick. Not, not good at all. The whole wife plot line should have just been lifted out of the film. It yeah. was dead air. Like, yeah. Did she even have any scenes with Jake Gyllenhaal or
0: Dennis Quaid? No, no. No? Oh, it was Dennis Quaid, yes. She didn't have
1: one... Oh yeah, because when he caught... when Jake yeah. calls... But yeah, she was just a, a complete waste of a character. Yes. Uh, okay, drink for unconvincing reaction shots. Nice. I loved all the sh- shots of like actors badly reacting to green screen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when the tornado's hitting, all of them are like, oh no, whoa, mm-hmm. what's happening? And like, there's lots <laughs> of like, facial close-ups of people doing really distractingly bad reaction shots. Mm-hmm. And it made me think, actually, because this is like in 2004 when CGI was still... Not in its infancy, it had been going for like, you know, 10 years, you know, Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park had CGI, but it certainly wasn't what it is today where it's in everything. Mm. Do you think actors now are just trained
0: better to do green screen acting? Uh, I think that in better films these days, there's less of it. Yeah, okay, they They, they use use it more sparingly, sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And like when you have a character, like say you've got a big CGI character, example Thanos, somebody Mm. wears just like a big thing on top of their head. So uh-huh. actors know where to look. Mm, well, that's what I mean. When you use practical effects, a lot. yeah,
1: even though it's not what the audience sees, you can act with something. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, yeah, the girlfriend of the weather guy who, when, you know, when they were shagging in the, mm-hmm. when she's looking out the window at the tornado that's about to blow her off the building, like, her her facial acting was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Drink every time there's a new weather hazard. Mm-hmm. Sure. So super tornadoes, tidal waves. Mm-hmm. Cold air. Giant hailstorms. Mm-hmm. What other film have we seen that did Jan here? Oh, it was Juice Storm, didn't it? Yes, I mean probably all of these things. All of these things, yeah. We knew we'd get some repetition on this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Drink four shots of the American flag. Of course. When you've covered it. Yep. Now, again, I don't know from science, though. You know, science, mm. but I would imagine in the when they're in the eye of the storm, mm-hmm. you know, when it gets super cold, mm. isn't the whole point of an eye of a storm that it is there's no wind because it's si- it's like
0: it's-, it's completely still. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think. So yes. why is the flag fluttering in the breeze? Uh, I don't know, because there is also a point in the film where the flag just suddenly stops Yeah, fluttering. Yeah, it's an inconsistency. They just had it there for the shot.
1: Yeah, yeah. of course. It's like, oh, the flag's going down. This means America's failed. Oh, the flag is
0: freezing. That means America is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It was very heavy-handed. Yep, pretty much. Okay, last one I've got here is drink whenever a character with lines is killed.
1: Okay. Not as big of a body count as you'd think.
0: Well, there's like bus characters. Yeah. There's... Characters in with, with the ice, with uh, the hail. Yes. Let's see. There's tornado characters. Mm-hmm. You know, newscasters, weather, sure. girlfriends. Um, but
1: any of the characters who have characters, not many of them die. There's one of the three scientists dies. there's him. That's yeah. That's pretty much. Like, oh, any other character? Not. actual the... characters. Yeah, not many. Not the president. Many. The president sure. Or they dies yeah. off screen. Yeah. The mm-hmm. queen dies off screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I guess Ian Holm. Well, you don't see them die, it Ian Holm and the British stereotypes also die. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't drink for that because you never see them die. No, mm-hmm. but yeah, so there's a few. My last one is drink every time people don't notice something that's like happening right around them, mm-hmm. like yeah. a major weather event or a major natural disaster. Yeah. It's got that classic... I'm, I'm pretty sure this might be a Roland Emmerich thing that he does trope. in all those films. A trope, yeah. Where there's the Mexican guy doing the cleaning with his headphones on while the building is falling around, apart around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that in this film. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, cool. So before we get to sequels, just want to let you all know we're on patreon.com. So if you have enjoyed this episode or any other episodes, please go to patreon.com slash set and you can support us for as much or as little as you like. If you do, you get a few uh, treats... Ooh, treats. A, treats, yeah. Mm. yeah. I thought like, I'd change uh, like tra- tra- like the our, vocab up this week. Like our sponsors are well-paid dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Well-trained <laughs> dogs. Got a little treat for you. So you get an extra episode of Beyond the Boxer every week in the form of Beyond Beyond the Boxer, a, a little show where we review films that we see in cinema cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about to do Men in Black tonight, and we'll probably have an episode on that out and Toy Story in the coming weeks. Oh, yes. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so that's going to be good. Well, whether they're good or bad films, yeah. they'll be great to got, We watched about.
1: Brightburn last week, which I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Uh, So that's available there. Also, if you become a Patreon, you can have a 30-second advert slot once a month on the main show. Mm -hmm. You can advertise anything you want. It could be your own podcast, your own business, or anything you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And also, once a month, we have a Patreon episode in which we invite Patreon to choose a film for us. You can guest on the show if you like. You can Skype in from anywhere in the world or come into John's apartment in person. Yeah. It's up to you. So all that is available at patreon.com slash beyondtheboxset. set.
1: Indeed. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes?
0: I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be
1: a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, How about Bewitched at 25%?
0: Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex and we are the Contrarians.
1: As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine.
0: Regardless of what we really feel.
1: Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher,
0: TuneIn, Facebook, Twitter. We're everywhere. Now, sequels. What have you got for me, John?
1: Okay. Wow, you are really like. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch the film, don't we? Uh, Okay. So, my sequel to this film. Mm -hmm. It opens with a recap of the events of the original film. Mm -hmm. So we'll see New York buried under hundreds of feet of snow and ice. And millions of American refugees trudging into Mexico. hmm Then we freeze frame and we zoom out mm-hmm. to see Jake Gyllenhaal as a now adult Sam Hall, which is his character's name. Sure. I looked it up. It was not that. It was Jake and Sam Hall. It was like the most quick, easy names you can think of. So it pans out to see modern day, you know, 38, 39-year-old Jake Gyllenhaal, however old he is these days. Sure, yeah. Now an adult delivering a presentation to a group of politicians. Mm-hmm. So I've got some dialogue. Do you want to be Jake Gyllenhaal or generic politician? Generic
0: politician, please.
1: Are you sure? Yes. I feel like you're a better voice actor than me. Are you sure you don't want to be Jake?
0: Uh, I've, I, I have no voices. I have, I have one voice, maybe. It's just dramatic. We'll go for that, then. Okay, sure. Bye.
1: Okay, so you're Jake.
0: Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's our worst-case scenario simulation for an ecological emergency. I don't know. Your video seems a little far-fetched. We may have taken some small liberties, but believe me, sir, if we continue to ignore the effects of climate change, one day this is going to look like a documentary. The politicians murmur noncommittally among themselves and thank Sam for his time.
1: He walks out of the room with his colleague, looking frustrated. And this is me being as his colleague. Do you think they'll listen? They never do. I don't know what more I can do to convince them. Maybe we need to just ease up on the horror stories people don't like being lectured to.
0: But how else will they ever learn? We're already running out of time. Sometimes, I think maybe mankind deserves to be wiped out. Wow, I can see where you're going here.
1: I just hope they at least grant our requests for more funding, or we're really screwed. (laughs) So that's our setup. Great. (laughs) So the backstory for this is that Dennis Quaid's character really did predict a global climate disaster back in 2004. Mm -hmm. But politicians didn't listen and he died without ever seeing global governments take action to reverse the damage or even adequately prepare for the future. Mm -hmm. His son, Sam, the Jake Gyllenhaal character, has grown up to follow in his father's footsteps and continue his mission to research and raise awareness. Mm. But though 20 years have passed, virtually no progress has been made. Okay. So there was no actual Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. All that's the simulation that he's put together with his team. Yeah, 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 I got that. All right, Um, (laughs) I'm creating a sense. I'm creating a, you know, Mm -hmm. a backstory here. Some weeks after this meeting, Sam and his research team finally hear back from the US government. Sadly, due to unavoidable budget cuts, not only has their request for more money been turned down, but all future funding for their organisation has been pulled. Oh, shit.
0: Back to you, Jake. I can't believe this. How can it be so short-sighted? 20 years of work for nothing. Uh, you might not want
1: to turn on the news right now. So Sam switches on the TV to see a breaking news story that the president has just announced America's largest airport-building program in history, promising a rich new dawn for US tourism and business.
0: Mm No! That's not not right. That
1: was was not it at all. No! Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) So, cut to five years later... Sam's research company has long since gone out of business, Mm -hmm. global warming is worse than ever, and he has become a total recluse. Great. We pick up with a new character, Dr. Jake Lawson, top US scientist and engineer, played by Gerard Butler. Okay. You might have spotted where this is going now. Mm -hmm. He's doing some lab work while drinking a beer, Mm -hmm. when his wife walks in, telling him that he has a call from the White House, Mm. also that she's leaving him. Okay. That's separate the next day he walks into a meeting where he locks eyes with his brother who's working as an intern at the u s at the White House mm-hmm. and a group of high-ranking u s officials, including Secretary of State Leonard Deckham, played by Ed Harris. Deckham reveals that he has some highly classified information to deliver after decades of climate change. Global weather patterns have started to exhibit rapidly escalating abnormalities. A tidal wave has hit the coast of China, half of Europe is experiencing devastating flooding and a series of massive tornadoes are expected to hit the USA in a matter of days. Mm -hmm. Since Sam Hall went AWOL all those years ago, Lawson is now the most experienced climatologist in the country, and the US government needs him to investigate the situation and develop a solution quickly. Mm -hmm. Much like in the first movie, things escalate very quickly indeed. Lawson barely has time to begin his research before a tidal wave engulfs New York, Deadly hail starts striking in Japan, and the tornadoes rip through LA, taking out the Hollywood sign and many other massive landmarks. Great. Lawson is baffled. While he's familiar with the consequences of global warming, it makes no scientific sense for all these things to be happening so quickly. Mm -hmm. Also, the events all seem targeted at major US landmarks and cities, Mm -hmm. almost as if these events were being controlled by some kind of sentient being. Mm -hmm. He decides that to continue his research, he needs to find out whatever happened to Sam Hall. Sure, that makes sense. So he starts investigating Sam's research before he disappeared, learning about how the government pulled the plug on all of his research projects and attempted to hide the truth about the true impact of global warming. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he discovers Professor Hall's simulation video, which nobody has watched since that failed presentation five years ago—the mm. one at the beginning of the movie. Yep. Watching it, he's shocked to discover that the events depicted in the simulation mirror exactly what's now happening in the world, right down to the locations. Mm-hmm. Surely, that can't be a coincidence. Mm. So now he, alongside some generic colleagues, has to race against time to find out where Sam is hiding out and confront him. So we're going to employ some kind of run-of-the-mill bad science in this like to figure out how he cracks this code. Maybe he triangulates all of the different natural disasters that are happening across the US Yeah, to pinpoint exactly where they're being controlled from. And somehow he manages to find Sam Hall's hideout. Okay, yeah. So he locates and infiltrates Sam's lair, where it transpires that his obsession with climate change Coupled with his failure to complete his father's life mission and the betrayal of the corrupt U.S. government, has driven him completely insane. <laughs> Rather than fighting to prevent climate change, he has in fact decided to accelerate the process and wipe mankind off the planet as punishment for their greed and ignorance. Mm, sure. So he's basically Vera Farmiga in the Godzilla movie. I was thinking. Yep. Yeah. And he's developed special weather control technology and deployed it to cause natural disasters across the planet. His ultimate goal is to trigger a chain event of self-perpetuating disasters that humanity will never be able to stop. He's dubbed it a geostorm. <laughs> hey, okay, yeah. So oh, Jake Lawson, Gerard mm-hmm. Butler, mm-hmm. is going to confront Jake Gyllenhaal, Sam Hall, mm-hmm. and they're going to fight it out. This, obviously, all of this exposition is going to be explained by Gyllenhaal in a big old villain speech. That's how we're going to hear all of this. Sure. So they're going to have a fight. Obviously, Gerard Butler's going to beat Jake Hall in a fight. That just goes without saying. Mm-hmm. That'd be very one-sided. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to see it there. So Gerard Butler wins. He takes control of the weather machine and sends Sam hurtling into the path of a powerful tornado. Mm. So I feel like he dies from his own, you know, hoisted by his own petard. Sure. I'm, I'm imagining a final shot of Jake Hall just like no, being like sucked into a tornado. That's the last you see of him. Makes sense. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> so he manages. To, so Jake Lawson manages to figure out the controls and avert global catastrophe. Well, sort of. Millions have already died, but yes. he's managed to calm all the storms and, you know, prevent the apocalypse, prevent the geostorm, essentially. Mm-hmm. So he gets in touch with the government and says the mission accomplished. He explains what's happened mm-hmm. and what Sam Hall did and why, etc. And the government, led by Deckham, the mm-hmm. Ed Harris, Secretary of State, mm-hmm. They swear him to secrecy, because mm. they don't want it getting out to the public that one man did this. Mm. And they don't want it getting out that it was because of the government's negligence that they ignored all the warning signs. They're basically involved in a massive cover-up at this point. Yeah. So in order to get Jake Lawson on board, they offer to give him credit for creating the weather control technology that Sam Hall actually created, mm-hmm. and pay him millions upon millions of dollars to develop it into a global satellite system that will protect the environment rather than destroying it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he does. And so Jake Lawson reluctantly agrees. And he says, this better work out or something. You know, something ominous. Mm-hmm. And then the credits roll. And that is uh, The Day After Tomorrow 2, the year before Geostorm. <laughs> yeah, okay. That. Yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking, like, obviously the the events of this film are very similar to the events of Geostorm. Mm-hmm. And also, if you remember when we did Geostorm, I had a lot of questions about how Gerard Butler developed that technology. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem like the kind of guy who would. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd like... Bring our season full circle and kind of use the last one we talked about
0: to kind of create a prequel to the first one we talked about oh great so what you're saying is listeners should go back and listen to the episode again absolutely and just go make... through the whole disaster season again absolutely it'll make much more sense on the second listen So yeah, yeah. okay it all comes together mm-hmm. very interesting okay well I've Thank not you. done that okay well good otherwise yep. that'd be awkward yes so mine is called The Decade After Tomorrow okay cool and it's approximately one decade later <gasps> well you'd think wouldn't you <laughs> Uh, okay, so we pick up with the main star of the film, who is going to be played by Kit Harington. Oh, okay. So we're not revisiting Dennis Quaid and J.K. Nope. Hall. Okay, no.
1: Nope. Oh, is this Kit Harington because we know he can handle cold weather? Pretty much, yeah. yeah he, he he can deal
0: with winter. Yeah, he looks he looks good in a, a fluffy jacket. He does a fluffy. What? Ja- <laughs> <laughs> a fluffy jacket? So is that what you think he was wearing a fluffy jacket. Like... <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's a bit nippy isn't it. Oh. Whatever. Sure. So, Kit Harrington is an American refugee who lives in Mexico. Oh, I wonder if he could do a good American accent. I reckon I'm sure at some it. point he will have to try. Yeah. Um, he is a college professor. Is that believable? No! No, it's not! Okay, cool. Well, he is. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
1: how, how old is isn't Kit Harrington still only, like, 30? Like, I mean, it could happen. He could be a professor at 30. I get I have a close friend who was a professor at 30, so I guess true. Is he
0: more or less believable than Nicolas Cage as a professor? Well, I mean, clearly more. Like, just... Well, there we go. By virtue of not being Nicolas Cage. Okay, yeah. fine.
1: He's a college professor, Okay.
0: Um, who is going to lead an expedition with uh, a couple of students to to New York to study the effects of long term extreme weather. So, is new, st-
1: is new York still frozen? Yes.
0: Okay. Everything so, everything's still frozen, kind of how it was at the end of the film. So, sorry.
1: Where is Kit Harrington based? Mexico. Mexico. Oh, I see. In the Mexican, mm-hmm. which has now become like.
0: An American refugee camp. Pretty much, yeah. It's okay. partly owned by America now. I think I think they just bought North Mexico.
1: Oh, okay. I bet that caused no issues whatsoever.
0: Um, so, yeah, he's going to take a couple of students with him. Mm-hmm. Um. One of them is going to be played by whoever played Samuel Tarly in Game of Thrones. Oh, that guy, sure, yeah. Yeah. And then the other one's going to be played by Sophie Turner. Oh, this is a full Game of Thrones reunion.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. Just gonna... So, the guy who played Sam is Kit Harrington's student? Yes. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're the same age. I mean, that doesn't matter. You can go to university at any age. Oh, sure. Okay. Fine. Was, so was Kit Harington a child genius or was Sam Tarly just a, a mature student? A mature student? I, I don't know.
0: It's not important. All right, fine. I just want to make it clear. Uh, but,
1: the actor is John Bradley. Okay,
0: cool. And he is 30 years old. Great. That is fascinating information.
1: Okay. <laughs> Carry on.
0: Okay. So, yeah, he's going to take... Uh, john bradley and sophie turner with him mm-hmm. who are not going to get character names in this okay
1: uh, kate harrington is 32 okay, so okay.
0: two year difference yeah okay you know that like university professors aren't like you know a generation or two above their students necessarily no no they, sh- they are mostly because like before. you can go to university at any age no that's fine okay fine carry on, carry on okay so this is going to be the first non-military expedition back into america the military has kind of started taking back a few of the southern states. Oh, okay, they're, they have their they're doing a reclamation program now. Like the yeah, worst they're, of the try, effects they're trying got. to get in it. Okay, um, so is the, is, it just like, is the weather quite stable now? It's quite stable, yes, but it's very cold. Okay, sure. Right. Yeah, and so the majority of Americans, they do live in Mexico as refugees, however, some are working their way north to Texas and Florida and some of the sure. southern just states. Sure, working their way up, yeah. Working their way back up so they have space because, you know, they're struggling to all fit in Mexico. Mm-hmm. The American military, they're pushing their ways north slowly. And uh the most northern part that they've got is referred to as the wall. Okay, I can see where this is going. <laughs> I mean that's pretty much all I'm going with with Game of Thrones things. Okay, but okay. Uh, yeah, like there is a definite border where the military finishes and then suddenly you're just in wildland. Okay. Like there could be anything. Is
1: there. this building towards all the people who got frozen in the original movie are now
0: ice zombies? No, that could be a thing, but no Okay, okay fine. That <laughs> could be a thing in a different story, but yeah, no, this is this is very much a... A sequel today after tomorrow, just okay. casted by Game of Thrones actors. Sure, okay. So, on their adventures north of the wall, uh, they bump into a group of people who claim to have been living there since the original movie. Mm-hmm. These people call themselves the Wildlings. Okay. Right. I thought you said you were done with Game of Thrones references. Yeah, I forgot. Um, so, Kit Harrington befriends a Wildling named Egret. Uh, Are you just retelling like, <laughs> the story?
1: This is not sequel writing, Harry. This is just referencing a thing that exists. Hey, t- you know what I'm like? I like a- to cast an existing cast of people oh right sure okay so let me guess that's played by what's her face Rose, lady. Rose so Leslie. Leslie Rose yeah. Leslie
0: yeah um, and they have sex in a cave Was mm-hmm. uh, okay. that important <laughs> well I'd say it's in a cave a cave which is in the mouth of a glacier okay I gonna, they, get, they, get they get very cold they get a bit more thematic yeah, yeah. maybe okay sure they, I don't know maybe maybe that works for them I don't know <laughs> sure <laughs> uh, meanwhile um, Sophie Turner befriends one of the wildling men named Tormund that'd be okay. the ginger guy okay so I'm just trying to build a group of cast that we can sort of be friends with. Well, does it have to be Sophie Turner? Why can't it be Brienne of Tarf Lady? Totally could be. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Gwendolyn Christie. Maybe she can be his research assistant rather than his student. Ah, oh, there we go. There you go. Really? Yeah, that's
0: more believable. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Great, so that's happening. Is, me- this, be, is this just building to you what you want the Game of Thrones phenology? Could be? you just let me read? Oh, i fine. Rather than saying, Harry, are you just doing Game of Thrones? Well, I mean... So far, prove me wrong. Well, okay, fine. Uh, meanwhile, Samuel Tarly learned some news. Okay. Oh, is this a good way to kill the White Walkers? <laughs> no, okay. So um, he meets the village elder. Okay. Um, and this What is village? Go- oh, they, they've met a group of people. Okay. Whatever. Fine. They met, they found a settlement. Oh, the wildling village. The yeah, va- okay, the wildling village. <clears throat> so they, they, he meets the elder of the village. Okay. He was going to be a man, a crazy man, played by Woody Harrelson and a very large white wig and beard. Love it. Love it. Okay. So I'm going a little bit off Game of Thrones brand oh. now. Are you happy? Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> So it turns out that uh, he is very crazy and initially he claims to have seen the apocalypse coming beforehand and prepared for it. Okay. Which is why they've been able to survive for so long. Now he's claiming the apocalypse is nearly over. Everything's going to go back to the way it was. Summer is coming. Oh.
1: Mm. That's a much less like intimidating phrase. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's like a, a, a Butlin's <laughs> advert like. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> holidays are coming. Holidays are coming. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Sam well inquires further, and Crazy Woody shows Sam his scientific data, which, you know, proves that, yeah, okay, he's kind of right. The ice has, has in fact, been melting, and, and the, a nearby glacier has started to recede a little bit and melt. At this moment, we cut back to Sex in the Glacier, and uh, we get... <laughs> I love sc- that sitcom. <laughs> it's my favourite 90s HBO drama. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we get a scene where the ice in the ceiling starts to fall down all around them. Oh, no. Bit of an action scene, really, where they have to dodge all this fallen ice. They're both naked. Is, is Kit
1: Harrington running around with like an erection, trying to avoid glaciers falling? Maybe,
0: but I would, but I would say that due to very, very, very clever camera angles, mm-hmm. you never see any nudity because there's always a fallen bit of ice in the way. Okay, cool. So yes, they are both naked running away. But you know, I've always thought that in action films, when people get caught having sex and there's an, they need to run away from something, no one has an erection. They're always fully dressed straight afterwards. Yeah, or like they've got a towel around or something. Like yeah. When did you have the time to do that?
1: Yeah, I I say. When the weather guy in this film, when he got interrupted and he's like running, you know, he's he's mid sex with his girlfriend and then he's like, I just need to check this. He's he's staggering through his boxes.
0: Mm. Flat as a pancake. Yeah, he's not into that. No. (laughs) Okay. So after they've all regrouped, all of them, they head off to, they head off on their trek to New York. Mm -hmm. um, They get there a few days later. A few days later? From Mexico to New York? I would say they've got snowmobiles with them. Okay. So they've got vehicles. Okay, They're not just hiking.
1: I was going to say, Jesus. Even driving, that's like a solid two weeks, isn't it?
0: I do not know. I don't know. Either. I'm not looking it up. Anyway, they, they get there some time later. Okay, fine. When they get there, they see that not much has really changed since the last film. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a bit of a look around and start monitoring a few things. Sam Mortale and Sophie Turner, they start drilling into the ice outside the Empire State Building, which is where they pitch camp. Mm-hmm. So they can monitor the temperatures and, you know, learn little bits, mm-hmm. essentially. Meanwhile, Kit Harrington and Egret uh, they go into the building itself to see um, like, if they can climb down the stairwell at all and like, look at the ice from underneath. I like how for each pairing you've created in this film, you've got one where you know the actor's name yeah. and one where you know the Game of Thrones character's <laughs> name only. Like, so
1: it's Sophie Turner and Samwell and it's Kit
0: Harrington and, and it's uh, Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so they look down the elevator shaft and they see two alarming things, which Kit Harrington has to exposition to. What's her face? Firstly, the elevator shaft did, in fact, flood at uh, at one point, but the water isn't frozen currently, which means that the ice on the streets they've been walking on is probably a lot thinner because everything must be melting. Oh. as so well has the big potential to crack, which could cause issues. Mm-hmm. The second thing they've noticed is that the elevator shaft has shifted like a foot to the left, and Kit explains that he had a theory that New York has actually become a glacier, oh, so everything, everything above ice level has moved about a foot. Oh, okay. Meaning that when the ice like, thaws out or breaks, none of the buildings are going to stay up. So every, the, the whole city is going to just, like, disappear into the ocean? Every building so... has pretty much been chopped in half. Okay. And right. has a potential to fall over at any second. Okay. So they run back up. Seems like good CGI. I it it would be. It yeah. would be It would be flawless. A CGI. striking image. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they run back up, and they uh, scream to Sam stop drilling. Mm-hmm. He does immediately. And they will sort of look around in silence, just like, if he cracks, like, if one building falls over, it's probably going to, Cause a chain reaction, smash all the ice, and knock over all the buildings. I'm guessing the city is completely be abandoned. It's completely dead, like a ghost town. Oh ah, yeah, that? yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did think about having like people living there at some point, but I'd just not done it. Okay. Yeah. So they slowly get back on their snowmobiles, as, mm-hmm. just to go and leave. As they actually, they do. They cause cracks in the ice. Then. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. Or is this gonna be like? Is there
1: gonna be like a section that's like the quiet place kind of thing where the, like no one can make a sound? Everyone has to just move very, very slowly. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, the, the crack goes straight towards uh, the Empire State Building, mm-hmm. which then half of it just starts sinking in. They look up. They see the spire at the top. It's fallen off. It's flying towards them. They all scream, go, and they they go for it. <laughs> they all rush off, kind of in single file, creating more cracks in the ice as they go. And they look behind them, and they see the Empire State Building is now, in fact, falling over directly towards them. This
1: feels very Roland well Emmerich. I think you oh, would yeah. enjoy shooting this. Yes,
0: yeah. definitely. Just wait. Oh, it gets better. Okay. Yes. Uh, Kit Harrington looks in in his rearview mirror. He's leading them. He looks in rearview mirror and he he watches the Empire State Building come down and actually crush Egret, <gasps> smashing all the ice in the process. That girl as well. just cannot catch a break. Mm, no. The building smashes through all the ice, creating a tidal wave of broken ice chasing them. Sure. Broken ice and freezing water, which is also destroying all the nearby buildings, causing more chain reactions and just everything is going to shit. Sam gets caught by the wave and falls off his snowmobile. No chance to go back. Mm-hmm. He's gone. So he's they, dead? He's dead, yeah. He killed Sam. Killed Sam. Uh, they need to keep on going, and eventually they make it to a large clearing that used to be Central Park, mm-hmm. where there are no buildings to fall on them, and they can steer away from all the breaking ice. They stop in the very centre of, uh, of this clearing and watch as all the buildings along the edge collapse into the ice, stranding them in a massive sheet, in, in, in a massive sheet of ice. So they all die? Uh, No, a few of them, the survivors, Kit Harrington and whoever else was there, Sophie Turner, uh, they're still alive in the middle. Okay. But they're completely stranded. They have no way to get off this ice sheet without swimming through icy water and through rubble. Okay. Um, Luckily, Kit Harrington does have a satellite phone. He's called ahead, but (laughs) that's still like a few days' travel away for anybody to get there. So, yeah, they pretty much just have to wait it out. They do, and eventually a few days later, when they're reaching the end of their supplies... A single helicopter arrives, flown by Amelia Clark. Oh, of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where are bike drivers? <laughs> and they are flown to safety um, after getting a view of destroyed New York. And then we get a time-lapse of the world, sort of heating up and the ice melting and turning everything turning green again and... Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much it. That is the decade after tomorrow. Okay. Feels mostly just like a Game of Thrones reunion. I mean maybe. It was on my mind. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. When I start thinking about Game of Thrones I find it difficult stop to stop because yeah. I'm normally just like, how is it so bad? Yeah. I just don't get it. <laughs> but yeah.
1: I mean, is Amelia Clark gonna turn out to be evil at the last minute? maybe maybe she just drops them off in Philadelphia or
0: something, maybe that's know? the post
1: credit scene maybe the end of your film is that she picks them up in her helicopter which mm-hmm. is obviously going to be called Dracaris or something yeah yeah uh, Drogo, uh, Drogo uh, Drogon sure yeah. Drogon yeah Drogon. and then post credit we see that we get some kind of sequence where it turns out she's some kind of eco-terrorist mm-hmm. you know like Charles Dance in Godzilla I've got, if you've got Game of Thrones in your mind I've got Godzilla on my for some reason yes um, you seem to don't you yeah Uh, And yeah, she can give like an evil glare to the camera or something and it turns out maybe the sequel is that she's going to drop them off somewhere far less appealing, like Alaska. Yeah. yeah. And crown herself the
0: Queen of the North. (laughs) Hmm. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So that is uh, The Decade After Tomorrow. I like it. I think that's uh, well cast and has potential. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Drink, um, no. Listener submission. Listener submission. Okay, so the first one I've got here uh, from Sam Weagle is the day after the Friday after next. Okay. I think there's going to be a lot of these. Yeah, just I've got a few of these different puns dates. as well, yeah. David Poole says, two days before the day after tomorrow, mm-hmm. which apparently stolen from South Park. Uh, Ross Moynihan says, a guy two days away from his wage, the payday after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's good. I like yeah. that. <laughs> that would be a bitch if the end of the world came like a day before payday. Oh, God, yeah.
0: Um Liam Fitzgerald says waiting on the remake of this the day after the day before the day after tomorrow.
1: The day after the day before the day so after.
0: that'll be today right? Yes. So the day after tomorrow the day before the No it's just the no, it's the same it's the same. The same day yeah. The okay. day the, the day after the day before the day after tomorrow. Yep, that's the same day. Okay, sure. Weird. Okay. Uh, Ross Burton says a prequel tomorrow. I was expecting more from Ross. I thought we'd get yeah, me too. I thought we'd get pages from Ross. Yeah. Like
1: pages of like this doesn't work. This doesn't work. This that's doesn't work. That's
0: all we've had. I mean, six people reacted to it on Facebook, so that's good. But okay. yeah. Um okay, Josh Johnson says the day before yesterday where it's a super super hot day and everyone's complaining about how they're ready for cool weather. Mm, yeah, good. Josh Goodman says it's called yesterday. The world had rebuilt and suffered an amnesia and forgotten the events of, of the Beatles. Oh, God. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me that film's coming up soon. Uh, okay. Tom Quirk says, Ice Age isn't actually set in the distant past. It's actually a distant sequel to Day After Tomorrow, where humanity has been reduced to hunter-gatherers and a sloth, a mammoth, and a saber-toothed tiger, which have emerged from extinction following the decimation of mankind. Very good. Makes sense to me. Sure. Andrew Littler says, The Decade After Yesteryear. Okay. That's too dissimilar to mine. Mm-hmm. Mitch Smith says, Two Days Before the Day After Tomorrow. Sam Wolfe says Edge of the Day After Tomorrow. Okay, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Dave, so yeah,
1: I like it. Makes sense.
0: This yeah. film did need some Tom Cruise. Yes. Uh, James if Dennis
1: Quaid's character been played by Tom Cruise. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that, that would have been way Literally better. better film. Yeah. Or Tom Hanks. Mm, no.
0: no. Has Tom Cruise ever played a film where he has an adult son? Uh, I don't think so, no. No, that's interesting. Mm. Mm. Um, Callum Carlson has just posted a link to uh, Ben Stiller's bit in Tropic Thunder. Yes, yes, I did think of that too. <laughs> Clayton Andrus says sequel where George Clooney and a bunch of society-shining engineers find out the world outside their construction futurism utopia has been completely destroyed. The day after Tomorrowland. Oh, okay. That's off that Disney film. That I have heard of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is it a Disney film? Yeah.
0: Okay. It's not a kids' film, is it? Yeah. I thought that was like a zombie film. No. I might think of something else. Maybe. Okay. Anthony J. Hagen says, Rise of the day after tomorrow. Dawn of the day after tomorrow. War for the day after tomorrow. I'm spotting a theme here, yeah. It works. Apes, yeah. Uh, Lucas Parker says, Next Friday after tomorrow, it's just Ice Cube and a few pals snowed into a building, (laughs) eating beans, and making unrelenting puns about Ice Cube's name. (laughs)
1: Great. Yeah. It's Um, a sequence of films.
0: Okay. Jake Campbell says, The day after tomorrow too. Too fast, tomorrow." That's good. That's mm-hmm. good, yeah. Uh Tom Priest says, the day after the day before the previous day of which tomorrow is next week. I, yeah, okay. That'll look, a... that'll look great on a poster. <laughs> yeah. uh, and last one i got here, Samson Ewan says, the day after tomorrow never dies too. Back in the saddle. That seems like a lot of references. <laughs> But, yeah, so those are my sequels. What have you got?
1: Very good. Okay. Yeah, I've had a lot of popular ones as well. So, Dave McCormick said the day after tomorrow. Mm hmm. TWO tomorrow. Yeah. Of course, yes. Daniel Barula said that the week after next. Mm hmm. Drew Miller said the day after tomorrow too. A fortnight from yesterday. <laughs> Josh Nolette said next Wednesday. Not this Wednesday. The Wednesday that's in like 10 days' time. Yes.
0: hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jake Ben said the day before yesterday. A prequel, but it's everyone just enjoying some very nice weather. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Christian Scarborough said, die another day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Did you have that one as well? Y- yes. Oh, no, you had tomorrow never dies. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. So mm-hmm. the, the Bond theme is, yeah. yeah, strong. That's 007 fighting climate change. That's the, pl- the plot of that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Dennis Fanning said, the tomorrow after today. The world attempts to rebuild despite corporations and short-sighted politicians getting in their way. Mm-hmm. The global superstorm wasn't that bad after all. So. <laughs> uh, Brad Stone said, day two, electric storm boogaloo. Good. Brandon Bolch said, Waterworld. Yes. Always a popular choice when we do doing apocalypse movies. The yeah. sequel should always be Waterworld. Uh, Kevin Hendricks said...
0: Also, the second half of artificial intelligence.
1: Yes, that could work too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Hendricks said, first is no good. How about next week? Mm-hmm. Nancy Lott said, yesterday once more. Which Great. is a Carpenter song. Over on Twitter, at Aussie Nerd said, the day after, the day after tomorrow, which we've already had. Mm-hmm. The Cloudy Critic, at The Cloudy Critic, said, An embittered and world-weary Dennis Quaid now traverses the globe searching for the mythical Gaia, Mother Nature herself. Mm-hmm. He plans to wed her, seize control of her climate via prenup, and become the fearful Ubermorgan. Only his son might be smart enough to stop him. It's mm. overmorrow.
0: <laughs> Does that make any sense to you? Mm.
1: I feel that's a reference I'm not guessing. Yeah. What's the Ubermorgan?
0: Uber I do not know.
1: Well, I will ask. Okay, cool. Uh, at Depressed Movie... At Depressed Movie, mm-hmm. said the ice starts to melt, and Dennis Quaid and Jake Gyllenhaal have to reach a boat in three days or die in a huge flood in the area that they've made home. Oh, shit. On the way, they make Queen Latifah, <laughs> Sean William Scott, and Josh Peck, who join them on a perilous journey. Oh, wait, that's Ice Age 2. <laughs> Live action ice, ice Age remake, I like it. Uh, at Quiz and Hers, mm-hmm. said the Friday after tomorrow, it's the events of the first movie but from the perspective of the Chris Tucker and Ice Cube characters from Friday. Again, I feel like you, you had one of these. So it's a climate change stoner comedy, I guess. We didn't put too much work into this. <laughs> uh, at the One Hanson said, The Groundhog Day after tomorrow never dies. Mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal is announced as the new James Bond, and this angers Bill Murray to the point that he develops his own weather-controlling device in the hopes of attaining world domination.
0: Wait, sorry. Jake Hall is, turn- is-, is made James Bond? Yeah. We're fine by that. Bill Murray
1: is pissed that he missed the course, yeah. <laughs> Interesting choice. If it was like Toby Maguire's piss, sure. fair. Maybe maybe Bill Murray's just a super Bond fan, and Jake Gyllenhaal's not what he ever saw as Bond. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Keep him British. That's it. That's it. Weirdly I, specific. Yeah, I will ask at the one Hanson for further mm. details on that. At Betamax Pod said the week before last Tuesday, Dennis Quaid discovers he left the oven on. Jake Gyllenhaal is responsible is responsible for paying the bills, and hilarity ensues as they frantically source funds to cover the direct debit. <laughs> Or, sure, yeah. yeah. At Bloatbusters said, a week from next Wednesday, it turns out the entire previous film was actually a tabloid RPG game. The three-hour sequel is the GM and the players attempting to agree on the next time they'll play. Nice. So I think that's the idea of... Uh, I think this might be Bloatbusters' own resentment sink- seeping through about whoever they're playing RPGs with not being able to find time in the calendar. Seems like that where that's come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, the, at The Cinema Guys said... In The Day Before Yesterday But After Today, Jake Gyllenhaal finds himself in the Midwest during a drought. In a race against time to save his crops, he finds out there is a stockpile of water saved from the last disaster. Ooh. Of course there is, it's all ice. Yeah. At Mike, Mike and Oscar, at MM and Oscar, said, Dennis Quaid's son becomes an astronaut and crashes back to Earth in the frozen wasteland that is America. Only Quaid is stupid enough to take a plane back to the Forbidden Continent. Luckily for them, America is thawing. Not so luckily abominable snowmen it's the year after next great and finally the contrarians podcast at contrarian prime said the world may have gone to shit but at least dennis quaid's son has a girlfriend now <laughs> what does a post-apocalyptic first date look like that's what we find out in the date after tomorrow
0: nice okay, that's a good
1: strong finish i like that well done julio mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. very good Mm-hmm.
1: So those are our sequel ideas for The Day After Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If you have a sequel idea for The Day After Tomorrow or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available at all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, you name it, we're on it. If we're not on it, let us know and we will get on it. You can also contact us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set or at Beyond the Box Set for Twitter. And you can also join our VIP listening group at Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set and get exclusive merchandise at tpublic.com. Also, just search Beyond the Box Set.
0: Yes. Cool. Uh, I believe it's your episode next week. It
1: is. And we are done with disaster movies, am I right? Yes. So I have a free pick. Okay. Cool. So I've decided. Don't make another disaster movie. <laughs> we're doing 2012. No. am <laughs> my again. No. So next time we record a podcast, sometime, we're recording sometime next week, I believe, and it's going to be just before me and you host a special pub quiz night, Mm -hmm. which is going to be dedicated to RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be fabulous. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. So I thought before we did that... Can I make my one
0: and only guess as to what this might be? Sure. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Ding! (laughs) Have you seen it? No, I've not. Yeah. So yeah, I thought I would... I just assumed it was on your list at some point. It
1: has been on my list for a long time. Yeah. And it felt like now is a good time to do it. Okay, so yeah. So you said you wanted to learn more about drag culture and drag queens before this quiz. This is probably the best drag queen I movie.
0: Think I said I wanted to learn more about RuPaul's Drag Race. So well, it's, it's quite, all part so and parcel. So, so I knew the right time to say, and don't fuck it up, and stuff like well, that.
1: Well, you know, it's all, it's all part and parcel. I guess, yes. So, yes, I thought it'd be fun to do Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Great. Okay, that, that should be good fun, yeah. Yeah, I think you'll like it so yeah lovely yes is it a disaster movie you can tell me that next week after having watched it (laughs) okay sure so join (laughs) us next week for Priscilla Queen of the Desert alright yeah see you then bye thanks a lot bye now bye